to welcome you to 2021 in our brand new series called I Give Up. Come on, somebody. And some of you are asking, where was this series in 2020? Because that's when you wanted it, but now it's in 2021. But I'll explain that in just a second. But I want to go ahead and welcome all of you here. I want to welcome those who are watching online as well, uh, just that we can all join together this morning. And I want to do something special today, and that is welcome uh, a very special person who watches online every single Sunday. Uh, and you guys know that the people watching online just tensed up like they're about to get called out, right? Every single Sunday, they're just a beautiful lady in our church. And that is Miss Saranel Babin, all right? Everybody faithfully watches every Sunday. And last Sunday, we had a birthday parade outside of her house. And on Monday, she turned 96 years old. Come on, somebody. Come on. Can we celebrate? That's incredible. And she is healthier than most of us at 26, all right, everybody? She outshines all of you. I'm just saying it's just the truth, all right? Just encouraging, just a lady of faith. And so I want to welcome her as well this morning. Some of you are offended that I didn't call out your birthday, all right? When you turn 96, I will call out your birthday on a Sunday, all right? But I want to welcome you as we kick off 2021. Go ahead and grab out your Bible and your notes. We still believe in 2021 in taking notes. Uh, If you prefer technology, you can pull out your phone, pull out the Victory Church app, uh, have that fill-in-the-blank version for those of you who like fill-in-the-blank as well. And I love New Year's. I love them because they fill us with hope that life can change and that life can be better and that things can turn around. And I love this time of the year. I love the weather. I love everything about resolutions. I just, I love this time in the new year that we can really reshape some things, some things that maybe we were frustrated with in 2020, some things uh, maybe frustrated about ourselves. And 2021, a new year, the changing of the year just fills us with that hope that things can change that things can be better. And one of the ways to get off on the best foot possible is to join us for the 21 days of prayer. Kirby talked about a little bit that in January we do prayer and fasting. Uh, In August it's prayer and feasting, but in January it's prayer and fasting. All right, everybody. And I think it's interesting that throughout the year there's different seasons and different holidays. I I just think it's interesting that as we celebrate uh, the December and Christmas holidays, we celebrate the birth of our Savior, uh, that that is the season that we typically just kind of lose all control. Come on, somebody. Like we just kind of let go of our, our, uh, our control of our lives. We kind of let go of everything. Uh, just, just be honest with each other. When's the last time any of us went for a run? Anybody ate what you were supposed to eat? It just, it just all goes out the window during December. Uh, and so I think one of the best things that we can do as we enter a new year is just dedicate this first month to the Lord. Just dedicate this time in our life to the Lord. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be fasting and praying together. Now, if you've never fasted before, I just want to encourage you. It's one of the most incredible things that you can do in your spiritual life. One of the most incredible disciplines that we are able to do as Christians. And Jesus, when he talked about fasting, uh, he didn't talk about it like it would be this once in a lifetime thing that maybe if you you know, became a super Christian and you attained that level, then maybe then you would fast once in your life. No, when Jesus talked about it, he said, when you fast, when you fast, here's the protocol for what it should look like. And so he assumed that we would be fasting all throughout our lives. And so we corporately as a church do it every year in January. uh, And then individuals do it throughout the year as different needs and seasons arise. But corporately, we all do it in January as a church. And so Jesus let us know that it's a spiritual part of our life. It's a component that has to be there. And so I would encourage you to join us in the 21 days. So corporately, we've always fasted for 21 days. Uh, It's 21 days, right? Three weeks is enough time to form or break any habit in your life. 
Uh, and so it's an incredible time that we have uh, together. Now, typically a few things happen to us in these seasons of fasting and prayer. If you're like me, there are times in your life where God's voice is not as clear as it is in other seasons. There's times where he's very clear and times where he's not as clear as we would like him to be. Come on, somebody, if we're honest with each other. And so during these times of fasting and prayer, we correct some of those problems that maybe cause his voice not to come as clearly. That maybe cause us not to hear as clearly as we normally would. And so one of the things we have to do is silence the voice of the world. That's what fasting does. Fasting silences the voices of the world around us, and then prayer connects us to God. And so at this time, they work in tandem to correct these problems in our life because we have to silence the world around us. And so a lot of people fast in a lot of different ways. And so for some people, it is food uh, or sweets or social media or television or our phones or the news. Uh, Whatever it is that riles you up, whatever it is that competes for the voice of God in your life, whatever it is that you have on 24-7 that's drowning out what God wants to speak to you, fasting helps to eliminate that and then prayer connects us to God. And as I began to mention some of those things, when we do those things, right, some of you are starting to physically twitch when I mention some of those things. Like it's probably a good idea that that is what you should fast during these 21 days, all right? The thing that you just thought about when I was saying those things, you should probably give up for these 21 days because fasting silences those voices. I don't care how smart they are. I don't care how loud they are. I don't care how how convincing they are. We have to silence those voices so that we can hear the voice of God. And so fasting is this incredible, valuable resource to us that things begin to make clear decisions that you're making, that the decision isn't clear and then the the voice from God is not coming through as clearly as it should. Fasting and prayer corrects that. It's one of the incredible disciplines we have as Christians. And so some people will be fasting, all right? So no food. Some people will be doing that. Uh, Others will be fasting social media. Others will be fasting their phones. Come on. I see the twitches happen. Some will be fasting. Right? For some people, it's not food. Some people, the thing that they compete for their attention, and it may be you, it's not food. But you're saying, I would eat one of these seat cushions, right, if you let me keep my phone for the next three weeks. Some people, that's that's not the draw to them. It's something else. And so as we begin to see what it is that takes our attention, what it is that steals our time from God's voice, that's what we begin to give up in these 21 days of prayer. So I would just encourage you. I know it's going to look different for each person, but I'm encouraging our entire church to participate in the spirit of fasting. To decide, okay, this is what has been taking away from my time with God. This is what has been drowning out the voice of God in my life. And I'm going to get rid of it for these 21 days. And honestly, usually people will come after the 21 days and say, I never realized how unimportant those things were. And then it creates a change in your life. And we'll talk about that a little bit later today. But we have resources available for you. If you still got a few questions about these on the church website, victoryharvest.com, or in the app, you can click on fasting and go back and look at some of the messages that I've taught in the last couple of years on this, just to help you along to choose your fast uh, and to begin to pray. And then, uh, like I said, it's 21 days long, all right? So you have time to kind of pick what that is and then jump in with us if you're not ready to participate today. And so if you're not ready for that, go ahead and choose that this week, and then you can jump in with this there's no condemnation in that all right this is just a time to silence the voice of the world and to hear god's voice and then we're going to be praying and we'll be streaming this online every day 6 a.m and 6 p.m throughout the week monday through friday Uh, so you can get yourself out of bed at 6 a.m or join us at 6 p.m and then on saturdays at 9 a.m we're going to be praying together so it's going to be an awesome awesome time as we start the year on the right foot amen everybody because we all believe that we have things that need to change 
We have things in our lives that need to change. Right, everybody? I said, right, everybody? Right. Am I, am I the only person who has things? Maybe I'm the only guy who needs to change in the room today. But we all have lists of things that we want to see different about our lives. Sometimes they're selfish. Sometimes they're unselfish. But we all usually around the new year, we begin to evaluate things. And we have lists of things we want to change. Some people, I want to get my body in shape. I want to run or exercise uh, in the new year. I want, to, I want to make sure that I'm living healthy. I want to eat healthy. I want to do that. Some people, it's a pattern of behavior. Some people look at the new year and they think, okay, I have these things in my life that I know should not be there. I have these things that I know are detrimental. I have these addictions. I have these things that I know don't honor God in my life and I want to get rid of them. And so we have these things that we begin to think I want to change. And for some people, it's relationships. It's a relationship or relationships where we think, well, these are truly toxic to my life. And so once and for all, I'm going to end them. Or for some, they're saying, maybe I'm a little disconnected, and so I've been living a little bit disconnected from the church or from people, and so I've got to get some relationships in my life. I need to begin to make that change in my life. Some people, it's finances, like this is the year we're going to get out of debt. This is the year some things are going to change about our lives. And so year after year, we make these lists. Year after year, we make these intentions, and we start out with good intentions, and then year after year, the same things start ending up on the list again. And sometimes we don't even want to compare them to last year's list because we know they will look eerily similar. And we know that some of the things that we made on there just keep showing up again and again. And I believe, honestly, with all of my heart, that this January 2021 could be different. If we put into practice some simple principles from God's word, if we put those into practice, I believe that it could be different. That some of the perpetual things that show up on the list year after year after year could actually be checked off this year. That God's power could be evident in our lives as the church that he could give us the power to do. And I just want to give you some simple principles as we talk today. And today is as simple as I could make it, all right? I figure we're starting a new year. Most of you are in that post-Christmas stupor. And so it's as simple as I can make it. You want complex, come back next week, all right, everybody? But the first thing I want you to see, and that is that as we go through this message, as I lay it out as simply as I know how, that some of us will still come up with excuses on why we can't apply it. That even though I tried to lay it out in as simple practical steps as I could, that some of us will still come away from here with excuses about why we can't apply it. And jot it down if you're taking notes. That's the first point today. And that is, as soon as I decide to be different, the devil gives me excuses to stay the same. As soon as I decide this is going to be a different year, this is going to be a different season, I'm going to move on from that. I'm going to check some things off the list. I'm going to seek God with all my heart. As soon as I decide to be different, the devil brings me excuses to stay the same. And I should have put in there, or myself, that I also give myself excuses. And I try to come up with any reason to not apply it, any reason to not change. It's a fact of life. Every time we decide that God's leading me into an area, every time we do that, we come up with all of these excuses Why we can't do it or why we can't pursue that thing or why we can't be different or why that thing will never come off of our New Year's resolution list. And we come up with these excuses to stay the same. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus is telling a story about people who are invited to join in the kingdom of God. People who are invited to be a part of the kingdom of God. And he's telling this story about people who are invited to come to the supper, to the kingdom of God. And he tells this this parable. And so I want you to watch this in Luke 14. And he says, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and he invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. 
Now watch this, the Bible tells us, they all alike began to make excuses. Now, if you read the story, and we're about to, you'll see that the excuses that they make are kind of silly on the surface, and they're very similar to the excuses that we make in our own life about why we cannot do what God is calling us to do, why we can't be a part of the kingdom of God, because some of the excuses they make are just ridiculous, and honestly, some of the ones we make are ridiculous as well. So watch this. The first man says to him, but they all like began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Now, this is just doesn't make sense to my mind. Right. If you bought a piece of land, hopefully you have seen it before you bought it. All right. Maybe hopefully you have walked the land. You have figured out if there's a swamp right in the middle of it. Hopefully something. But it's just a bad, bad excuse that he has. And so oftentimes when we look back on our lives. Oftentimes, many years later, we begin to ask ourselves, why didn't I do what God asked me to do? Like, why didn't I go there? Why didn't I start that? Why didn't I pursue that? Why didn't I seek him more? Why why didn't I do those things? And the excuses we come up with oftentimes don't make any sense to us later, but we try to come up with them to keep us from the kingdom. And so watch this. The second person said, I have just bought, right, five oxen, five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out, please excuse me. Now, I don't know what it means to try out oxen, all right, everybody? I'm not an oxen guy. I don't know if maybe you are. But wouldn't you, wouldn't you could try them out the next day, right? You can go to dinner tonight and try them out. The next. It's just, it, it's excuses that really don't keep you from the kingdom. But we convince ourselves that they do. We convince ourselves. The last group, right, they said, I just got married, and so I can't come to your thing. I'm not going there, right? If you've ever been around newlyweds, right, they're not coming to your thing. They got their own thing to do, all right? Maybe they're on their honeymoon. Maybe they're, I don't know where they are doing super secret important marriage stuff. But they're they're on their own thing. They're not coming to your thing. And they come up with these excuses of why they can't be a part of it. Why I can't do it. Why I can't be a part of the kingdom of God. And honestly, the silliness of their excuses does does not even match some of the ones that we come up with. Some of the stuff that we let block us from what God actually wants us to do. And I think what's so interesting is we fall into some of these of saying, well, you know, I tried that in years past and it didn't work for me. And so I'll never do it again. Or or I, I went there or I knew that I was supposed to do that. Or maybe I'm just I'm too stressed out in this season To really actually go after what God has. Or maybe I'm just, I'm too busy. Maybe next year will be the year that it happens. And we begin to roll these excuses out on the red carpet every new year. Where maybe, maybe another time, maybe 2022 will be the year that everything changes. And 2021, I'm just going to kind of hold tight. I'm just going to kind of let everything do. So we push off those areas and we push off those things. And because of these excuses, statistics tell us that 40% of people who make these resolutions will bail on them by the end of January. Because of these excuses that we come up with, most of the people who make these resolutions, by January 31st, 40% will bail on those resolutions. 40% will just figure out, hey, it's not this year, all right? It's going to be next year. And you see this in every area of resolutions, right? In health health resolutions where I'm going to get fit, I'm going to get in the gym. And most gym people will tell you, I don't know, but I had a friend who worked out all the time. He told me one time that January is the worst possible time for people who love the gym. Because all these new people come running in like ants, right, to the sugar. They come in and they're climbing all over your barbells and your weights, right? And they're doing things you should never do on the machines, right? They're just, they're just all over. We've all seen the YouTube videos of these people, right? That, that is not how you work out. That is how you hurt yourself permanently. And so they, they're just climbing all over, right? And so by the end of January, 
most of them will just throw in the towel and say, that's not going to happen, all right? That's, it's just not going to happen this year. And he said, that is actually, February 1st is the holiday that I celebrate the most, when all you people quit. When all you people just give up and go, and we can all have our gym back, and we can celebrate uh, that all you people are back home, all right? But honestly, that, it's great for the gym people, but as your pastor, that is a terrible, terrible thing. And not the health aspect, that's important too. Talk to your own doctor, all right, everybody? But honestly, from a spiritual aspect... Because I see this so often in spiritual resolutions as well. That by the end of January, we begin to give up on these things. And honestly, it's not a healthy place to live. That one month of the year, you try, try, try as hard as you can. And then you bail. And honestly, because of these things, by February 14th, by Valentine's Day, now it says 75% of people quit. And so we give up on these resolutions. And I I didn't put this stat up there, but by the end of the year, they say 8% of people have kept to their resolutions. 8% of people have actually kept for it. And so they're doing all this stuff. We're we're trying all of these things. And I believe the reason for it is we start the year with good intentions. And good intentions, right, are very self-focused. Good intentions are formulated in what I want for myself, what I feel needs to be better about my life. And so because they are self-focused, it requires our own motivation, requires our own self-power, our own will, our our own ability to make it happen. Because we have good intentions for our own lives. And so it requires us to have the ability to make it happen. And what I believe we need are God intentions. What I believe we need for our lives are what God intends for us. Because then we have access to God's power. If the things that we're writing down are what God wants for us. We have access to him motivating us, propelling us. The power of God in our life working to make it happen. And so I believe that's the difference between bailing out on February 14th. And actually seeing change come into our lives. So I want to help you with that in just a couple of practical ways so that this year we can give up making excuses. We can give up making the excuses that plague us year after year after year. First thing we need to do is ask ourselves a couple of questions. All right. First one, jot it down if you're taking notes. First question is, what does God want to be different about my life? First question we ask ourselves this January of 2021, what does God want to be different? As we pray and evaluate About what thing? Don't just think about what I want for my life. My selfish motives, my selfish reasons for being different. But where is God speaking to it? What things in my life does God have his finger pointed at? What things in my life could be different because he wants them to be different? So go ahead and take a second. This is participation today, all right, everybody? Go ahead and take a second. If you've got a piece of paper there with you or you've got, right, the notes pulled up, we actually put in a fill-in-the-blank version right there. You can click on and write something down. If you're scrolling through Instagram, go ahead and pull up a note, right? And write something in there. Write something down that you feel God is leading you to change in this new year. Go ahead and write that down. Write down what you feel God is leading you to change in this new year. Now, if it's something, right, that you feel is private, just write private right there. All right, everybody? Because you all cheat off each other. And I know that, right, since high school, you've been cheating off each other. And so that's just a fact of life. And so if you've got something that you think God is pointing to that you don't want the people around you to see, go ahead and write private. Or if you feel a religious person would look at that and judge you today, right, you can go ahead and write private. And as they're doing that, just know that as they judge you, their issue is way worse than yours. That's just the way that it works. All right, everybody? Because that's just the way that it is. But write that thing down that God is leading. Now, the second question we have to answer about that thing. So now you're thinking about what that is. The second question is, why does God want this part of my life to change? So what area does God want to change? And then the second question I think is just as important. Why does God want that part to change? Because the power to overcome excuses comes from understanding the why behind the what. 
It comes from understanding the why behind the what. So as we make these things in 2021, I want this to be the best year of your life. I want things to change. But you have to understand why God wants that part to change. Why he wants you to be better in that way. Why he wants to come and show his power in a new and fresh way in your life. Because most of the time we set out and go, I know it's supposed to be different. Most of the time we set out and we say, I know it's supposed to be different. I know it's supposed to be this way. And we end up trying to do it under our own power. And we end up failing every time. Or we come up with excuses like, well, someone else is worse than I am. And so I don't mind being where I am. Or or someone else sins that way. And so I don't feel so bad. Or maybe someone else, maybe I'm busy at doing that. Or maybe this thing came into my life. Or maybe I'll just try again in 2022. And instead, we have to tap into the supernatural power of God's life, God's power in our life. We have to begin to recognize that God is at work, that he has things for us to change in. And so we begin to answer those questions. The only way to do that is to understand the why behind the what. And so maybe it's your spiritual life this year. Maybe you've decided, okay, this is what needs to change. Maybe I need to get in the word more. Or maybe I just want to begin to to lead my family spiritually. Or maybe I want to lead a small group. Uh, Or maybe I have an addiction that I need to break that I know is keeping me from God's power. I know it's keeping me back from what he has for me. You begin to see those things. You say, I know that he's asking me to step into leadership. Or I know that God is leading me uh, to pray more or to be in, in spirit. Well, if we do those things because we want people to look at us and see that we are really spiritual... Or if we do those things because we want people to recognize that we're working really hard. Or we do those things because we want God to love us more. Well, you're going to come under a lot of spiritual condemnation trying to achieve those on your own. You're going to come under spiritual condemnation. And honestly, after a few weeks of trying to push that thing, push that train down the tracks, you're going to give up. Because it's heavy and it's too hard for you to do on your own. And so if we have the wrong motivations in our life. That we want to be seen as super spiritual or we want to be seen as as someone who's really working hard at it. If we want all of those motivations, honestly, it will not motivate. But if it's because I want to draw closer to the Lord, it's because I want to just give back whatever I can in reciprocation for what he's already done for me. If it's because I just want to love him out of the love that he's already showered upon me, it's because I want to go after my Savior with all that I have. If that's the motivation behind it. Then it's suddenly not self-focused. It's suddenly not a selfish motivation. Then it's suddenly exterior. It's suddenly unselfish. And there's motivation there and there's the power of God to draw us to him. And so honestly, if we get the why behind the what, the motivation becomes clear. And so maybe it's in your finances. You say, well, this is the year that I'm finally going to get out of debt and we're going to get a little savings and we're going to make a difference. Something's going to change. Well, if that motivation is just because you think, well, debt is bad and I want a yacht. Well, that's very, very thick, right? Worldly, logically, that makes sense because debt is bad, right? Yachts are great. But honestly, there's no motivation there beyond the physical or beyond that thing. There's a lot of unhappy yacht owners in the world, all right, everybody? I don't know if you know that or not. Because the motive is so incredibly selfish. It's so incredibly thin and it will not sustain you past those few months. It will not sustain you in life. There's no motivation for that. But if as Christians, if our motivation in life is as much as God gives me, I want to bless others. And as much as he does for me, I want to do for others. And I don't want to get out of debt because debt is bad. But I also want to be generous on every occasion because I am convinced that we don't have to. I'm convinced we don't have to convince Christians to be generous. It's not it's not part of our DNA as a church. It's not part of who we are as Christians that we don't have to convince Christians to be generous. I think we all would if we could. 
I think we all would help the poor and the needy. I think we all would reach out to the starving and to the needy and to the hopeless. I think we would all be generous if we could. But the devil's locked us in this cycle of debt that's kept us from it. And even those who are going after to get out of it with, with selfish motivations, that's not how it works. And honestly, I've told you this before, that God will bless you so that you can be a blessing for others. But that you don't need to be blessed in order to do what God is calling you to do. That he'll give you what you need to fulfill what he's calling you to do in the kingdom. And if I don't have it, then I don't need it to do what God's called me to do. If I don't have it, then I don't need it to do what God has called me to do. I just want to be generous with what he has given to me. And so we as a church, we have to understand the why behind the what. Because we give up the excuses and we throw them out there and all of us have them. And right now, some of you are having excuses about why you won't apply this message. Some of you are sitting here and saying, it's nice and I'm glad we started a new year, but none of those things apply to me. None of those things are actually going to change anything inside my life. And so we throw up these excuses and honestly, we need to give them up. We need the power of God in our life. We have to understand the spiritual motivation behind the things that God wants us to change. And so the power comes along with it to change those things in our life. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of practical things that you can do and put into place in your life. A couple of practical things that you can do to make sure that this happened. And we're going to do it out of the book of Exodus. Uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible in Exodus 4 that Moses uh, is, now Moses is being called to lead the nation of Israel out of bondage. And so I'll just kind of set up the story for you. Moses, right, the children of Israel were in Israel, they were are in Egypt, uh, and they were in bondage, in slavery. But Moses lived in the palace. Moses had this opportunity, this perspective, but he messes up. All right, and he screws everything up. He murders someone and he has to run. And so he goes out in the desert hiding from God. He's out on the backside of the desert for 40 years. And so Moses runs away from what God had called him to do. And now God appears to him and tells him, Moses, you're going to go back and you're going to lead the children of Israel out of captivity. You're going to do this thing, Moses. You're going to lead them to the promised land. And like us, like most of us, if I would say that, Moses has a bunch of excuses of why he cannot do what God is calling him to do. Moses has this moment, and I don't know if you have a burning bush talking to you, maybe not, but Moses has this moment where God is telling him, this is what I want you to do. And like so many of us, especially at the new year, Moses comes up with excuses of why he can't. And so we're actually going to dive into the story a little bit later on, because he comes to Moses and he says, Moses, this is what I want you to do. And honestly, a lot of us throw up these excuses because like Moses, it seems too big for us. So he comes to Moses and says, hey, I'm going to bring you back to where you're known as a murderer. I'm going to bring you back to the land of Egypt. And you're going to lead these people out of captivity. And Moses immediately begins to understand or to, to honestly begins to complain that it's too big for him. And honestly, a lot of us, we bring that to God that when we get a glimpse of the dream or the promise he has for us, we begin to say, God, it's too big for us. And we use that as the excuse or the crutch to not pursue it. We use that as the excuse to not go after what God has called us to do. And so we'll pick it up in verse 10. And honestly, I think God enjoys this type of calling. I think God enjoys bringing these types of things because God enjoys calling you to do something bigger than yourself because he enjoys taking the credit for it. When it happens in your life and God is able to empower you to do things that you cannot do on your own. Not that you just didn't know why well, I had that strength inside me all the time. No, things that you cannot accomplish on your own. That it was only God that could make it happen. He enjoys getting the credit for it. All right, everybody? So verse 10. So Moses is full of excuses. So God comes to him and Moses says back to God, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, 
neither in the past nor since you started talking to me. I like that part, right? I think you should see a little humor in the Bible. He's like, Lord, I've never been eloquent. And even now, as we've been having this conversation, I have not magically become eloquent. Like, it just hasn't happened, God. So I know that I'm not called to do what you called me to do. Like, I, I can't do it, God, because I can't speak. Nor since you've spoken, I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. So he's saying, God, you're asking me to be a leader and I don't want to be a leader because leaders have to talk to people and I don't want to talk to people because I'm not good at talking to people and so I just don't want to talk to people. And so God looks at him and he says, Moses, I'm calling you. And Moses is like, no, you know, I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue and I I just, I get mixed up on my word and I, I can't do this thing. But I want you to see in all of these excuses, Moses' excuses are very self-focused. Me, my, I, mine. And I want to remind you today that God is not all that wrapped up in your talents and your abilities. God is not sitting there trying to calculate right on his piece of paper how many talents and abilities you have. And that's the only way that limits him. That's the only way that he can do anything. In fact, God's response to Moses, this type of excuse, is kind of funny. I really think you should find comedy in the Bible. Verse 11, the Lord said, who gave you your mouth, son? Like you say you're slow of speech and you're slow of tongue. Who gave you that mouth on you? Like who, who made it? Who makes men deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is the answer not me? Like, is it not I, the Lord, that gave you your mouth? Is it not me? If I wanted your mouth to talk good, I could make your mouth talk good if I wanted it to. Like, like do you not understand? I'm the one that made you. Is anything impossible for the Lord? He's, he's saying that. Who made that? Who created you, Moses? Who knows who you are? And I want to tell you the same thing. Who made you? When you have these excuses that you bring to God, that you say, I'm not good enough and I don't have this and I don't. Who made you? Who gave you that mouth? Who who made those and who knows your abilities already before he ever called you? Who knows what you're able to do and who knows what he is able to do? And so we come to God with these excuses. And honestly, I just want to take a moment and think about that. Do we really believe that he can? And honestly, in Moses' case, do we really believe that he can't? Because some of us sound pretty ridiculous when we bring these excuses to God. I've caught myself looking back. I I like to journal. I like to take notes. And sometimes I'll write questions that I have. And I'll look back a year or two years later and I will laugh at myself for how stupid I was. All right, everybody? I just will laugh at myself. Because do we really believe that he can't do it? Because that's what we're saying when we bring these excuses to God. Do we really believe in we're wrestling with God and wrestling with our insecurities? We really believe that all of these things, our shortcomings, are these great obstacles for our God. That of all the people in the world, only us, only we have an obstacle big enough to stop the almighty God. Only in our life is he unable to do things. Do we really? Because when we ask these questions, that's what we're saying. In all the world, do we really believe, oh Lord, only my life is unchangeable by you. Only I know you changed every other type of person, every other sinner you've called back. I know that you've done all these great things. I know you created the universe and everything in it. But, oh, Lord, you don't know this obstacle that I have. That if God is calling us, if the supernatural power is available to us to make the changes he wants to make, to pursue the kingdom, to be a part of what God has for us, are we so selfish and stuck up that we think ours is the only one? That in all the world, Lord, only my kids cannot be raised to follow you. Only, only these, O oh Lord. Only you cannot change this relationship, O oh Lord. You can go change all the others, but O oh Lord, this is the only thing. O oh God, my addiction is the only one that the change you cannot break. Because we're saying these things to him when we come up with these excuses. And God is saying, I'm calling you to do this. I'm calling you to step out. I'm calling you to be a part of the kingdom. 
And so these excuses, do we really believe that he can't? We really think that we're the only ones that will be isolated for the rest of our lives. That, God, you put everybody else in relationships, but you cannot do it for me. God, I'll just be friendless for the rest of my life. Do we really believe? And honestly, it makes us look a little bit ridiculous. It honestly makes us look. God is saying, look, who gave you that stuff? Who made your mouth? Who gave you sight? Who made all these things? Who made all these things? Nothing is impossible with God. And then he gives him the formula of how it's going to work in verse 12. And I taught this entire story last year uh, during the summer. But I want to just reach in on verse 12 right now. In verse 12, he says, I'm going to give you two principles before we go. Moses, he says, now go. I want to stop there. Now go, he says. So Moses, it's time to stop the analyzing. It's time to start, stop the arguing. It's time to stop the conversation, to stop talking and doing all these things and go. And if you're taking notes today, jot it down. The first practical step we can do is that we have to do what we can do. I told you it's going to be deep today, all right? It's going to be really, really deep. But we have to do what we can do. We have to do what he says to do. He says, now go. Another Old Testament hero, Gideon, he comes to him. He says, now go in the strength that you have. You know the word go appears over 1,500 times in your Bible, and most of the time it's God saying it? He says, go. He says, it's time, Moses, to stop the arguments, stop the excuses. You've got to quit all of that. You've got to give up on the excuses, and you need to go. And that was Moses' part. And now is the time. I want you to be reminded of the fact that delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. When God tells us to go, we need to go. Because honestly, if you watch the story, God begins to get angry at the end of this because of these excuses. And he just tells him, go. And maybe 2021, here at the window at the beginning of the year, God is reaching out to you and telling you things that you need to do to be a part of the kingdom. Things that he's calling you to build as a part of the kingdom. And he's calling you to do those things. He's saying it's time for action. It's time to do what we can do. It's time to put aside the excuses. It's time to put those on the shelf and just do what we can do. Because we have to stop. Honestly, we have to stop with the excuses. We have to stop with the arguing. And honestly, if I'm being honest today, we have to stop with the over-spiritualizing of it. We have to stop with the over-spiritualizing of what it is that we're called to do. Because some people are just sitting there, right, with a cigarette in their mouth. I'm just waiting on God to just pull the desire right out of me. Just, just pull the desire right out of my life before I'm going to ever get... No, no, throw the cigarette in the trash and then rely on God. Like we, we have to begin to take the steps that we can do. You see this in physical health all the time. People say, I'm going to train for a 5K. I'm going to run a marathon. And they got the Twinkies right at eye level on the shelf. Come on. Go home and throw away the Twinkies and then go train for the thing, right? You got to get the temptation out of there. Some of you, right, you're struggling with an app or a website and you're just sitting there. I'm just waiting for God to blow up the internet. I'm just waiting for him just to blow it to smithereen. How about you? You block the app. You delete it from your phone. You block the site. You get that thing out of your house. You get the temptation out and then you follow God. Hey, we have to do what we can do. So often we over-spiritualize this. We say, I'm just waiting on God to show me a sign in the heavens. And God's saying, I gave you. Who made you? I know what you're capable of. We need to go. We need to stop over-spiritualizing this. There's always simple things that we can do. There's simple steps that we can take. I want to grow in my relationship with Christ. I want to grow in my thing. I really feel like God's calling me to step out and to serve. I'm really called. He's calling me to be in relationships. I really believe, God, this is the year that I'm going to make a change in my life. We've got to get rid of the excuses. We've got to get rid of the excuses. Our church is designed to help you get rid of the excuses. All right, everybody? You want to be closer to the Lord. Tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., you drag yourself out of bed. Come on, I'm speaking to you in love. All right, everybody? You drag yourself out. 
We do all the work for you for prayer, right? We, we select the worship song. We've got the message. We've got prayer focuses. We, we lead you through how to pray. We begin to do those. We have times of individual corporate prayer. But you've got to take a step and get yourself out of bed. And we even eliminated the old excuse of, well, I just I can't make it there at that time. You've got a smartphone. You can stream that thing from anywhere that you are. You can stream it from your bed. Come on, somebody. And you can pray with us. You can take these 21 days. You can do what you can do. You can get rid of the excuses. You can give up on all that and you can follow God because he's calling you to go. He's calling you to take a step, to take a step. And God, you say, well, God's calling me to lead. God's calling me to be a leader and to serve and to, to lead other people. Well, three times a year, we kick off small groups. Sky's the limit. You can pick whatever group you want to lead and you can begin to pour into other people's lives. There's opportunities available to you, but we got to give up on the excuses. And we got to go. God is saying it's time to go. Got to stop making the excuses. Or maybe you say, well, there's just some things that are outside of my control. And that's the second thing today. Second point, And that is to trust God to do what you cannot do. So we need to do what we can do. We all have our part and our excuses, honestly, are pretty ridiculous. But if we're honest with ourselves, but then we have to trust God to do the rest. Remember, as God is speaking to Moses, watch this. He says, now go and I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. So I will help you and I will teach you. God's always faithful to be there to help us and to teach us. Honestly, it's like riding a bike. I was trying to come up with an analogy for this. And so I've had the opportunity to teach two out of my three children how to ride a bike. I don't know if you've ever taught a child how to ride a bike, but it is low-key incredibly painful for your lower back. All right, everybody? I don't know if you've ever... You, you're kinda, and there's no cool way to run through the neighborhood, right, trying to hold on to the back of the bike because you're kind of bent over, trying to grab, trying to do, trying not to die. And so... I've done that. Now, I did not teach my third child. She's three, so I have some time for my back to heal before that happens. But honestly, one of the things that's most irritating to me about it is like, you have to pedal. All right? Like, as I'm running behind, I've got the seat, and I look up, and their little legs are just sitting there not doing anything. I'm like, you have to pedal. Right? Like, I can, I can try to push you, and I can try to balance you, but you've got to move your little legs and pedal those pedals. And honestly, that's how I see, think God views us. Where I'm telling my kids, listen, I can, I can balance and I can do this and I can do, but I cannot, I'm not going to get on there and pedal your bicycle for you. Like, I want to go get my bike and then we can ride together, all right? That's something I want to, in the future, I want to do. But that's what God does for us. He leads us and he guides us and he teaches us. Come on, everybody. He leads us and he guides us and he teaches, he speaks in our ear, but he never forces us. Now, that's the difference between God and me with my kids. Right? I'm going to force them to get on that bike whether they want to or not. But God never forces us. God doesn't want puppets, everybody, all right? He doesn't want little puppets that he just pulls the string. Honestly, the only time in your life where you are a puppet is when the devil is in charge of your life. And you feel forced and you feel tired and you feel driven like you never, like you're just, you're just driven like a wild. That's the only time. God never does that. Jesus invites us. He invites us. But if we'll take the step, he's always there to guide us. He's always there alongside of us to help us do what he's called us to do. And then in the areas you feel like, man, I just don't know if I'm going to be good enough. Well, Paul wrote this in Corinthians as we close, that God's grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul's writing, he says, therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest upon me. So honestly, in the darkest parts of our life, in the parts where we are the weakest is where God's light shines the brightest. 
Because it shows, it gives his power an opportunity to work the most in our lives. That he's able to bring out of even the weakest parts of our lives that they can be the greatest testimonies for what God can do. That the weakest parts that we thought were just the weak, that we tried to hide from people, we thought were excuses God is shining out of and saying, no, it's an example and an opportunity for me to work. It's an opportunity for me to shine the brightest. And then Paul ends this with this one. He says, that's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, all the things that were excuses to us, all the things that we bring up year after year of why we can't change. Because we're weak, because we're, we have heartaches, or we have persecutions, or we have difficulties. We have these things. Those are excuses to us. Paul said, I delight in those things. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. That God is coming and saying, at, he is at his strongest in our lives. is when we are weak, when we have these shortcomings, when he's able to show himself strong. Greatest testimonies you will ever see come out of a place of weakness on our part, but the strength of our God. The strength of our God in the midst of it. The church, I believe that this could be a banner here for you. Believe that there could be new relationships, that there could be addictions broken off. I believe that there could be opportunities. I believe that there could be the blessings of God. I believe it with all of my heart that this could be a year that changes things. Now, those things that constantly work their way up, they come off. But I believe this could be the year that maybe that person you've been sowing the gospel Little by little into, this could be the year that they experience the love of Christ. This could be the year that things change, but we have to get away from the excuses. We have to give up the excuses that have plagued us year after year after year. The weaknesses, the persecutions, the heartache, the things that we've walked through, we have to give those up. We have to understand the why behind the what. What is God asking me to change? Why does he want it to change? Because that's where the power comes from. It comes from him, not in our own strength. We do what we can do. That's all that's required of us. Honestly, that's all that's required to do what we're able to do. And then to put our trust in God to do what only he can do. Would you bow your heads with me as we close today? I just want to pray over you. That as we start this new year as a church, that we would begin to rely on him. And we would begin to cry out to him. That as we're in this service, we would begin to rely everything we have on him. Now, Father, I pray that this would be the year that we actually see change in our life. Father, we know the things that we have walked through. But we no longer use them as excuses. We no longer use them as crutches. We focus our eyes on you and we say, when we are weak, you are strong. Father, that your power is at work in us. That you have promised to go alongside of us. To be with us, to guide us, and to teach us. Lord, let this be the year that we give up the excuses. With every head bowed and every eye closed, some of you today, some of you today, you're here. And you're far from God. And you don't have access to the power of God to make a change because you've run so far from him. And it could be because you never knew about God and maybe you were never invited to a place where you could hear about him. Or maybe you did know and someone let you down or hurt you. Maybe a spiritual leader or someone did something that disappointed you. And maybe you feel like even God didn't come through for you. 
You feel like he turned his back on you. I want you to know that he loves you more than you can possibly imagine. I don't know who needs to hear this, but I want you to know that God wants you. I don't care if your parents didn't want you. I don't care if no one else wanted you. God wants you. God loves you. He's calling you. There's no better time than this first Sunday of the year to give your life to him. And so if you say that's me, If you say, that's me, I I want to give my life to him. I want to have that power of his in my life. I want to be close to Jesus, if that's you. I just want to pray with you today. I want you to know I'm not looking to embarrass you. I'm not looking to make you stand up or come to the front. I want to connect you with Jesus. I want to connect you with Jesus. So I'm going to give you the words to a prayer. And I can give them to you, but you have to say it and you have to mean it in your own heart. It's a prayer of surrender to him. So come on, church, let's pray with those who make that decision. No one prays alone. But say these words, say, Jesus, forgive me for all of my sins, for all my mistakes. I surrender to you. I believe that you died on the cross in my place and I believe that you rose from the dead and I make you the Lord of my life in Jesus name now father as we look at this new year we pause for a moment God to say thank you for all of the gifts that you have given us to say thank you for all of the things that you have done in our lives all of the things that have been set free all of the chains that have been broken we say thank you and at the same time God we pray That you would continue to be at work in the life of our church, in our lives. That you would continue to break off the chains of addiction. You would continue to break off the chains of bondage. That, Lord, you would do a work that only you can do. That, God, as we begin to step out in faith, as you tell us to go. As we begin to step out, Lord, we do what we can do. Always relying, though, on the supernatural power of God. So, Lord, in faith, we do go. In faith, we do step out. In faith, we give up on the excuses. In faith, we say that our God is greater and we rely, Father, not on our own strength, but on the power of our God. One more time, we say thank you for all that you've done and all that you will do. We dedicate this year 2021 to you. We give it back to the Lord. We thank you for all that you'll do, the promises of God that are still sure in Christ Jesus. And it's in his name we pray, in Jesus' name. And all God's church said amen and amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for what God has done today?